Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come before your throne. We always find your mercy, your grace, whatever it is that we need, Father, we find it in abundance at your throne. And so we believe you for it. We receive it. Everything we need right now. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. So today we're going to talk about the power of our confession. Amen. The power of our confession. And um, this is the God part of us <clears throat> that we're speaking of. It's not your regular carnal confession. Uh, when you couple God's spirit with his word, that word comes to pass. That word comes alive. It will manifest itself. It will bring itself to pass. It doesn't need any help. So once you um, confess the word, um, it's it's like mixing up dynamite. It comes to life and it will um, accomplish what it says. Uh, God says his word that goes out of his mouth will not return void. It won't return empty. It won't come out, come back and say, I couldn't do it. Now, that's God's word. But other words that we speak out of our flesh, or out, and you know for yourself, most of them, you don't want that to happen with it. Amen? Because we say a lot of things in haste or anger or <clears throat> upset or something like that, out of frustration and and we'll we'll begin to to see a a a, a you know a um a downturn or or you know we wish that we we'd be glad those words don't come to pass because when you recognize what you say uh then you realize that that you know there's something there that that makes that word void amen that it, it extinguishes that word and that is your intent. Like a lot of times when you say words that um, are are challenging or something like that, challenging your atmosphere out of frustration, you just say them and you don't ever think of them really happening. But to be honest with you, little by little, those things will come to pass because there are many times we'll, we'll, we'll say things like, well, you know, I, I feel sick and I'm this and I'm that and, and you know, you'll convince yourself at some point that those words are true. If you're not convinced that they're true, then, then many times they won't happen. But with, with God's word, it's always going to happen. See, when you mix that word with faith, it's always going to happen. I was looking at a situation I, I saw where on, I think it was on Instagram or something, there was a man that uh, had was skiing and he stumbled over another skier who was buried in the snow. And when he came upon this man, he he put out some pretty tough little curse words and cuss words and I'm thinking to myself man if he could start out praying you know he'd be helped but little by little he let the the curse words go and I think sometimes God just begins to calm us down and get us out of the and you could see he was upset because who's here's this human being buried under the snow and so we can all get excited about things but I noticed that little by little the cussing left and, and he started to 
find that the guy was alive and he could talk to him and he started to converse with him and then it started to go a lot faster with him getting this guy out of there. But you could see that the frustration and the cuss words kind of kept things at a standstill, you know, for a minute until he finally, God must have come in on his thoughts and flipped it over and told him, now I'm helping you. Now you stay focused with me and we'll get this guy out of here, you know. That happens sometimes without us even knowing God, acknowledging God or anything like that. He just is a sovereign God. He'll come and help. And so I was thinking about that. So I... (laughs) I thought to myself, I said, I'll put my little sayings. I said, well, if you start praying, it goes a lot better. I said, stop the cussing and start praying. And pretty soon the cussing stopped. And you can see where he got over into that realm. You know, most people just don't think, you know, God uh, all the time. You know, Christians, we do. We That's who we call in an emergency. And we know to do that. But it just shows you the power of words and and intent on your words. If you intend for your words to happen, they will happen. And that can only happen when we use God's word. It'll happen some when we use our natural uh faith or you know our natural uh hope and expectation but it works flawlessly when we use the word of god see that word must come to pass uh when we say it you know people in the world started picking up you know our the 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 um power of confession you know when the faith teaching got real popular you saw little new age people start oh we we don't want to bring any negative vibes in here you know they were talking about vibes and bad energy no negative energy because you could never say anything uh you know that was in the least bit negative around those people and it was more like a superstition with them then there, you could tell there was no power on it because they were just hoping something would happen. They didn't know what was going to happen, but they just felt like if it was, uh, you know, negative words or words that they thought were negative, you know, sometimes you need to use a negative word like, devil, I curse your works in Jesus' name. I bind you. Amen. That, that's a, a negative thing. You know, we, we can use both by faith. You know, there's enough in the word that, that tells you you can forbid something and, and not agree with it and cast it down. And, and instead of, but you know, people in the world kind of want to accept everything. You know, they lift everything up. Oh, don't say that. You know, it's just a, oh, that brings bad energy and bring that positive energy in here. You know, they don't know anything about the Holy Ghost and, you know, how things work, but they're trying to work it, you know, in a, a, um, a carnal sense. And, and it's better than saying negative things because negative things you will believe eventually and they will bring you down if you hear them enough. And so it, it they get a little bit of help that way, but we're talking about God's word and how it will cause itself to manifest. So while we just look at Isaiah 55 real quick and uh, <clears throat> just to, to verify what we're saying here as far as God's word is concerned. Isaiah 55. verse 8 my thoughts are not your thoughts 
Neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. So all that positive energy and positive vibe, that's not God's way. Amen. He's more definite than that. And he says, um, as, uh, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts and your thoughts. It says, for as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, so rain and heaven, when they fall, they fall down. They don't go back up, is what he's trying to say. He says, as sure as that happens that way, it waters the earth, bring forth bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. So it's when God's word goes forth, it's as dependable as rain falling. It's as dependable as snow falling. You never see rain turn around and go back up to heaven, and you don't see snow turn around and go back up. So God's word will not turn around and go back to heaven empty and say it couldn't fulfill what it was supposed to do down here on earth. Amen. And so he says it will it will not return to me empty or void. Or, or telling me it couldn't accomplish, it won't come back feeble and weak, but it will accomplish. So that word is alive, it's powerful, it's energetic, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Can you imagine sharper than that? Yeah, because it works in the spiritual realm. Everything is accelerated, amplified, and at its maximum in the realm of the spirit. It's not diminished. It's not, it's not like a slow moving thing. Many times we think, oh boy, I gotta start confessing the word. It's gonna take forever. You don't know that. There's no time limit. When do you want it to happen? Now? Well then say you have it now. Amen? And that'll kind of speed things up. That'll get it up to God's speed. Amen? So he says, well, it will accomplish what I please. In other words, it'll accomplish what it says. When you say, I am healed, that word will heal you. If you say, I'm prosperous, that word will prosper you. If you say, I'm, I'm successful, that word will make you successful. If you say, I can accomplish a lot with very little effort, <laughs> Jesus says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, amen. God, you're going to make things easy for me. Amen. That is true too. Amen. And it shall prosper in the thing where too I sent it. So God sends that word. When that word comes into your heart, it'll prosper your life. Amen. It'll prosper. He sent it into your heart. So it'll prosper in your life. It'll prosper coming out of your mouth. It'll prosper in the situations you pray for. It'll prosper in everything that you do because he send it forth into your heart and into your life. So it's a wonderful thing that we can depend on God's word. And, and I just like to go back over these, these understandings of the word of God because we, we can get so caught up in our confession and, and our prayers and all of this, we forget the power of what we're saying. And we forget the reliability of the word. Amen. If you can look out and see that the sun is coming up every, the word's doing that. If you see where the sun goes down at a certain time, the word's doing that. You can see that the moon and the stars are still up there. The word's doing that. That same word that you're confessing and speaking and praying. Amen. That's the same word. So that word will accomplish just like you can just look out there at the sun every morning and say, well, the sun came up again. I guess my, my 
prayers are going to be answered. Amen. I can expect it to come to pass. Amen. And so it's a good thing. We know, though, that our faith is tested. Amen. It's always going to be tested. So it's not like God is holding up anything or uh, there's something more you need to do or, you know, maybe there is. If so, God will tell you he's faithful. He'll make help you make those adjustments. But but God does want us to have confidence in his word, have confidence that he's the God of his word. Amen. He keeps his word. He doesn't break his own word. He won't go back on his word. He means that word to come to pass. And he knows what he's doing or he wouldn't give us permission to use the word. Amen. He is not a God of failure. He doesn't set us up for failure. If we fail, it's because we quit believing. Amen. That's the only thing that that causes failure is to quit believing. And the enemy distracts and, and deceives so many people based on that. You know, they give everything a time limit when God's looking out for us for eternity. You know, not just in this life on earth, but our forever life. So he's planning things for us on a forever basis. And I think that's just just. Just wonderful for us to, and that'll cause you to relax about time, you know, and say, God, maybe you're, you're helping me to lay up things for, for eternity in heaven. It's not just about what's down here. You know, people are too eager to cash in or they act like they don't believe in heaven or believe they're going to live forever. You know, you use up everything down here while you live and what are you going to have for that life over there? Amen. And so and we Christians really kind of are stuck in this world here that we live in, you know, a little too much stuck down here. We've got to understand that that God stretches this out over eternity. Amen. That's that's a long time. And he's teaching us. There are things that we're learning about the spirit realm that are going to make more sense to us when we get over there than they do down here. Because we've got to fight the God of this world for every, you got to fight him for every spiritual thought, every prayer, every meditation, you know, because he's always distracting us. There's always something we think is more interesting (laughs) than the word is, you know, it's like. I know every time I know I, who I have to pray with. I have appointments with my prayer partners and we keep those appointments and, and I'm always wanting to, to, you know, I like having a set time to pray and, and, uh, things that I know I must get done. But once I get on that phone, it's like I can think of a million things to say first before we start praying. And it's because you know once you give in to the spirit of prayer, you don't have control anymore. And we always want to control stuff. Amen. And so it's like once you say, oh boy, once I start praying, now I ain't going to be able to say this and interrupt God and say this, that, and the other. And it's just a habit. But you know that that realm that you go into when you pray is a holy place. It's a sacred place. You don't just butt in and keep interrupting oh yeah well i I meant to say this i meant you know that time is given over to the lord and you can't get it back amen and so that flesh wants to stay in control as long as it can and fight what god wants to do you know so so it's a good thing just to discipline yourself and say well listen why don't i just chat 
with my prayer part, we catch up on things because you have to come into agreement. You have to have some discussion, you know, sometimes about things. Well, we prayed for so-and-so, Lance. How's that coming? Well, how's so-and-so doing? How's this and that doing? So forth and so on. And so you get those things where you come into one mind, but then you have to yield over to the spirit of God and the spirit of prayer. And many times we just want to put that off almost forever you know and and so i said well wait a minute now let's get to praying now let's just uh stop this and and keep going but but there is a different realm that your prayer life taps into you know it's it's different from this natural realm so when you go into that that spirit of prayer you come into that realm where god's totally in control and I think that's what your flesh fights sometimes. Well, let me tell you about this one last thing. Now, after I tell you this one thing, then we're going to pray. Now, we can wait to agree what we're going to pray on. And so it, it's just like that. But but it's a good thing to recognize that there's a cutoff between the spirit and the flesh, between uh, the world and God's realm, God's kingdom. And when you step over into the kingdom, then God is 100% totally in charge. And so it's good to keep it that way. That's why when we, we have prayer here, we don't have people lifting their hands and interrupting. Once we go into that realm of prayer, we just flow through until we get it all done. When you sit and pray with your partners, it's good to not chit-chat too. You know, you you have to agree on some things or if something comes up during the week. Well, so-and-so came up and i got to pray for that and that's not on my regular prayers. Well, sure, we'll pray for that. It's not a problem. But we need to learn that once we give that time over to God, that time belongs to him 100%. And so I think it's good to remind yourself of that because you, you'll think to yourself, well, when I prayed, I, I was in the spirit with God and God heard that and I prayed his word. He says his word will not return empty, his word. So that prayer is being accomplished even as we speak. Amen. So you can, can can put your confidence in God that way, because uh, many times you'll you'll go through a period of time where nothing seems to be happening too much, and you'll start to doubt if God heard your prayer, and it, uh, you know, did He really say that? And ah, da 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 da, and on and on. But just think about what what prayer really is when you pray. Who comes into that? arena with you who was there with you was a was there an anointing there was a holy spirit there yes it was because you have him inside of you it comes up even if you didn't feel anything on the outside or you're not sure you felt anything on the outside he dwells in you when you speak god's word that word becomes anointed in itself amen because the word's got power on it it's already got its own anointing on it. Then you mix it with the, the spirit of God that dwells in you and you've got an explosion of power. Amen. You just mixed up dynamite in your words and those words are explosive. They go into the realm of the spirit and they start accomplishing what God says to accomplish. The only thing is we don't know is when it's going to totally manifest. We know we have a, a peace within us. When you pray, you have to pray until you get peace. Don't, don't leave your thoughts out there wondering. Get that settled. 
in the in the mental realm let yourself be settled in that well god this is your word your word's true it's, gonna, it's not going to come back void and i know you mean what you say so i'm taking you at your word your word says that you're going to give me this job your word says that you're going to promote my children your word says that everything is going to work out good your word says that my kids are going to choose good people to be around they're not going to be victims of some crowd you know in, in that kind of stuff and why because the seed of the righteous will will hate sin and the devil that's what the word says amen and so they don't like that and they are overcomers they're they're the head and not the tail got me so they will be leaders and not followers all of that stuff you can you can take that to the bank amen i don't care what it looks like the devil's always going to do something to deceive us if he can but you just keep staying with what's true and that's god's word and so our 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 power our words are very powerful what we confess and what we profess are extremely powerful why because faith is anointed and the word is anointed you know and that anointing has power on it in romans 12 and verse 3 it says for i say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but think soberly amen according as god has dealt to every man the measure of faith and so everybody has been given a measure of faith by god now there are people who will kind of make you make you try to understand if that means a measure of faith everybody has faith well of course we all have faith you you have faith in the natural you know you you get we all we are faith beings that faith was never taken from us even in the fall, we still have faith, but the faith that we have in the natural really is dead to God's kingdom. That the kingdom has to be opened up to us. Amen. You can't just uh, use God's faith and use natural faith all your life. So God gave to every man the measure of faith. And many people think that he's talking about uh, uh, this faith is talking about uh, believers, people who are believing. But you do have to have faith to even believe God's word to get saved. You got to have it the first time. So either way, you know, you, you were talking about people, nobody, the point here is nobody starts out with more faith than the other guy. And nobody starts out at an advantage or disadvantage. That's why Paul says, think, don't think you're better than somebody because we all got the same. God gave to us the all the same thing, you know. Now, gifts are different, but God distributes diff, gifts as he wills. But the 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 foundation of, of anything in your life is your faith. And he's given to every man the same measure. Amen. So nobody starts out with more and nobody starts out with less. And so once you understand that the measure of faith was given to you by God, then you'll understand that God wants you to put it to work for his kingdom, for your good. So good will come when you start using your faith and use it for everything. It's what I try to encourage people to do. Don't wait until you run into an emergency 
to start asking God for stuff and bring your word out and start praying the word. You should pray the word every day. Pray the word to get you up healthy. Pray the word to get you out of the chair without grunting. <laughs> as I have been often want to do recently, you know, you just don't pop up as quick as you'd like to sometimes, but you know, working on it. And so you use the word to, to do all of these things, you know, God, the, I am not weak. I'm strong, Father. I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of your might. Amen. All of those things, I'm healed. My body is whole. It's sound. You have made me whole. Amen. And, and so when we, we understand now the power of our words, we'll rely more on the word. Don't let the enemy tell you there's something wrong with your confession. Amen. Cause if, if your confession is the word, and you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit to say nothing of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. What's there to complain about? So you're, you're speaking God's word to, to, to always keep yourself in the realm of God's power. Use the word. Don't try and confess something other than the word. Don't just confess something because you want to see it happen. If it doesn't line up with God's word. And so always see, he said his word will not return void. Not just what you want, but his word will not return void. Amen. And so, you know, people want to get married. Two are better than one. God, you said two are better than one. And I want what's better. You always give me what's better. You understand what I'm saying? And just proceed with God's word and allow that God, that word to manifest in your life. And, and God will faithfully bring it to pass. So in Romans chapter 10, if you'll turn there, we'll talk. This is how we get started in the word. We call it the Roman road. I know soul winners are familiar with all the different roads that lead to Jesus. We, we can start a conversation about anything and wind up at the cross. You know what I'm saying? So, and that's always good. And so in Romans 10, um, uh, let me, let me see where we want to start. Uh, we'll start in verse five. It says, for Moses described the righteousness that is of the law. So if you're living under the Old Testament law, you had to obey everything. Amen. You couldn't break one law and be right with God. You had to obey it all. That's why it was done away with. God knew it was weak when he gave it to us, but he had to start us somewhere. You got to start somewhere. It's like when you start teaching um, children, small children, the alphabet. You know, you have a vision of being, them being able to read a book. But they can't string two letters together because they don't even know what the letters are, how they sound or anything. So you got to start somewhere. And that's the way God started with his, with his Old Testament teachings. But Moses said that the man which does the things by the law shall live by all of them. But the righteousness that is of faith speaks on this wise. It says, say not in your heart, who shall ascend to heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall ascend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh you. It's even in your mouth and in your heart. In other words, Jesus doesn't have to come back to earth to do anything, to make you know the word is real. He doesn't have to come here. He is in you already. Amen. So, 
speaking the word of faith is the same thing as Christ being here doing these things on our behalf. So you don't have to bring him down again out of heaven. You don't have to bring him up again to do anything to have have this, this faith operate. But this faith operates in you. It's in your mouth and it's in your heart. It's got to be in both places before it'll work. Amen. You cannot have the word in your mouth only and not in your heart. And this is, this is where oftentimes some people get into trouble. You've got to, you know, you know, the, the Bible says in the Old Testament, God said, come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. That reasoning together is a process that we need to go through to get the word in our hearts. See, what God is doing when he says that, he says, in, in, in that scripture, he said, though your sins be as scarlet, they're as white as snow. Well, that's something God has to minister to people. That comes through reasoning. See, if you reason together with God, you'll come up with something that sounds almost incredible. You know, like the new birth. Who could understand that? When he first told Nicodemus about being born again, Nicodemus said, I can't even figure that one out. I got to go back in my mother's. Because he only knew when you only know natural things, your mind goes on natural things. But God said, let us reason together. So what that means is that God's word through meditating on it, you begin to think to yourself, Nicodemus said, now wait a minute, that man said born again, born twice. And then Jesus explained it, born of water and the spirit. And so he's thinking to himself, well, I don't know about that spirit thing. Maybe that's where the answer is. You got me? And so that's reasoning together with God, where you start out not understanding anything about anything. But you pick that word up and you study that word and you look at it and you meditate on it and you start to question, God, what does that really mean? Can you explain that to me? And you reason together with him and you come up with the meaning and understanding of what that scripture says. And he says, see, if you just think it in the natural, though your sins be as scarlet, they're as white as snow, you won't come up with the right answer. But if you put me into it, if you include me in your mental conversation, amen, if you mix your little uh, puny mind with the mind of Christ, then we'll come up with the right answer and you'll start believing that. And that's how he puts his word in our hearts is through meditation. You got to and meditating really is just not sitting up there thinking that word over and over and over again, which we try to do in order to get it to work. And it will eventually work like that. But if you understand that God is there to answer your questions about it and to give you full understanding of it, it goes a lot better and it goes a lot faster and you'll get more understanding out of the word because you and anybody can do this. Anybody can meditate on the word and come up with with that what they call the rhema word of God, where God puts that word in your heart. And that's what you what that's what that when that's when that word becomes alive to you. And we only meditate on things, I think, that we desire, that we want to see come to pass. And God can change your desires. Amen? He'll change what you want to see happen in your life. You'll start, all of a sudden, you'll start getting ideas about, well, how do I... 
bless my neighbors? How do I do more for, you know, what, what can I do as be a more of a witness to you? Now you didn't come up with that idea just as a sinner. You never would have thought about anything like that. So God changes our desires. You know, as he, as he works on our heart and that word comes alive in us, he changes our want to's as they, they used to say, you know, God will change your, I used to want to do this and want to do that, but God changed my want to's. Amen. And he will do that. That's, that's how powerful the word is. It pierces asunder or pierces apart soul from spirit, joint from marrow. It gets down to the fine. In other words, there won't be any mixture in you. It'll be all pure, whatever God wants it to be. It, it, and that's what causes it really to come to pass. When there's no uh, qualifications in it, there's no, uh, um, you know, exceptions, uh, no ifs, ands, or buts, as they say, nothing added to it. It'll come to pass just like God put it out there. So, So that's how powerful this word is. And so Paul says, if you who and, and and he says the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart both of them that's why that's why he says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is lord and believe in your heart that he is raised from the dead in other words this is what separates the christians from the muslims the Muslims believe God, that Jesus was a great prophet. They believe he lived, all that stuff. They don't believe he died for sins and was raised from the dead. Amen. They don't believe the gospel story. So everybody must believe the gospel story. Now, why is that important for us to believe? Well, you got to believe that that if he was raised from the dead, you're raised with him. That's where salvation, salvation really is us being raised from the dead. Amen. That's the major part of it is that that's, that's why you can always get somebody confess Christ when you tell them, you know what, you know that, you know hell is real, right? And everybody sinned. And if you sin, you need to con- confess Christ or you will go to hell because that's, he's the only way to heaven. And see, people want heaven even if they don't want to live for God every day. They want to know at the end of the journey it ain't bad news. Amen. So we got a lot of people saved on, on that. And it's true. It is a truth. It's not the whole truth, but it is a truth that you can come to. And there's, there's different things, areas in a person's heart that you can touch when you minister to them sometimes if people are sick you can tell them you know what we're gonna pray for god to heal you but you can stay healed you don't have to keep getting sick if you'll receive christ he'll heal you every day amen and so it's just one of those things where whatever open door you can get in go through that door but you can you can know that 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 knowing that jesus is raised from the dead is crucial to christianity that is pivotal to our faith and our belief because there are a lot of people who believe it. there's Jehovah Witnesses. They don't believe in the power of blood atonement. You know, you and oh, I don't care if I'm saved or not. Well, Paul suffered. I'm saying, girl, please. 
You don't want to be like Paul. If you was Paul, you'd be beating up every city you go into. Don't talk about Paul suffering. Now you ain't even close. But you know what I'm saying. They, they, they have an excuse for everything and have something that they want to argue back, uh, for everything, you know, and until you bind them. I found that, you know, in dealing with them, I haven't dealt with many of them often, but I found that if I go into their midst, I take authority. That little devil they got is puny you know what i'm saying i mean i'm not making light of any challenge but don't give him more credit than he's due because when you take authority over him you you know he's bound he can't operate with people you know and then there's some people that are they go over to that 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 um, that place i remember talking to a woman one time and she said that she had a neighbor that had joined the Jehovah's Witnesses and, and she said it was because they would come and visit her at home. She was shut in, uh, from her regular church and so they would come in and sit and talk with her and they convinced her that her church was hiding certain truths from her. They don't tell you everything. What kind of church you go to? Oh, they don't tell you everything. They don't tell you this. This is God's real name, Jehovah. They don't tell you that. You understand what I'm saying? And of course, because she was at home and nobody from her church visited her, she's also, you know, she was a sitting target for them. And so many times these people are Christians in heart. They've been taught Christianity. Some of them even have confessed Christ or grew up in Christian churches. You know, denominational churches, whatever. And so I'm, I just found if you take authority over that deceiving devil, many of them will, will come into some light and understand, you know, I can pray to God. I don't need to have all these crazy books to read and run around and do all this stuff. You know, you can, you can have the Lord, you know, and so, um, I've interrupted some of their prayer meetings and had them pray you know, uh, with me, uh, for different things. And so didn't do it on purpose. You know, you go in somebody's house, you find out a bunch of Jehovah's Witnesses sitting there having a prayer meeting. I said, I don't care who y'all think y'all are, but we praying to Jesus right now. And I bound that devil. I said, no, we gonna, we gonna pray a prayer of agreement for this thing. And, and so, you know, and I've had deliverance you know i've delivered them from them devils you know and they're headstrong devils because i remember uh, praying for a woman and she said that she we explained to her how they were in error and i said would you want to to get free from that you know get that devil out of your your life and she said yeah and so as i prayed for her i i laid hands on her forehead and i noticed that the anointing was not going in it was resisting and so the lord told me he said she has to renounce that before that thing needs to she needs to say to tell that thing she doesn't want it anymore and so i told her i said you need to renounce that tell him you don't want him anymore you want jesus and she did and she prayed that and the anointing went in she got delivered and so this is one of those things where you you got to understand your authority in christ you know you don't don't be scared of any devil but you know you don't go trying to bluff him you got to have it in your heart that the greater one is greater period you know and he'll give you that understanding Understanding that you have nothing to fear. And so it, he says here, whoever shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness. 
So righteousness is a condition of your heart. God said, I'm going to take your stony heart, turn it into a heart of flesh. I'm giving you a new heart. Amen. And so we have a new righteous heart when we confess Christ. He says, the heart before, for the heart, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So you have righteousness in your heart. You have the word in your heart. You have faith in God. You have faith that God raised Jesus from the dead. He's not in the tomb anymore. He's not on the cross forever. But he He has been raised, so death has no power over him. Hell has no power over him. Sin has no power over him. All of the 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 uh, forces of of uh, hell have no power over him or over us anymore. So that means that you're free from fornication. You're free from drugs. You're free from cussing, backbiting, and all that kind of stuff. Overeating, whatever it is that you think is a trouble to you, you're free from all of those things. Amen. And it says, for the scripture says, whosoever believes on him shall not be ashamed. And that shame really refers to sin. If you believe in Christ, you don't have sin on you anymore. Amen. Sin has no power over you. So because sin is the source of shame, that's all that means. He says, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the, he's the same Lord over all, is, is rich unto all that call upon him. And it says here, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. And this is very, very important. You, you need to uh, reassure people. You know, when you get into trouble, you call on Jesus. Amen. Just give people simple things to do so they can stay connected with the Lord. And he says, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How this is us, how this is why we are called to preach the gospel. We're to fill in this gap. How shall they call on him who they have not believed? How shall they believe in him who they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent? Amen. And so God has set up a system already to get everybody in the world saved. He saves his own. Amen. Those of us who get saved, we're called to preach. All you got to do is read Mark 16, 17, and 18 and get that in your heart. And you'll tell somebody about Jesus. I wasn't even in a church, and I told more people about the Lord than, than I can remember. Everybody came to my house. I told them, I said, listen, if you haven't been, have you been saved yet? Do you know that you could go to hell if you don't confess Christ? I talked to everybody. Amen. Why? Because there was nobody, there was no deacon, no pastor to tell me I didn't know enough to talk to people. Amen. And this is a real, a real misguided thing in the church. We think that because we don't feel people are capable, they're not capable, you know, and and we'll just allow people to sit and pretty much do nothing instead of encouraging them and releasing them to talk to your neighbor, talk to your family members. Let's pray for people. You can't get anybody saved that you can't pray for. 
They just don't fall like ripe cherries off trees. You've got to have it in your heart. That's where the faith for, for your preaching comes from is in your prayer life. And so you begin to pray for people and God will open doors uh, for you to be able to speak for him. But somebody's got to tell somebody about Jesus. Amen. That's just the way it's done. And so when we go forth and preach the gospel, it's from that confession of faith, that that basic confession of faith that we all make in order to be born again. That's where your life in God's kingdom comes from. So this is what we we generally show people to show them how they get born again. You can take anybody to the Bible and show them this and, and tell them if you will just renounce sin. Just tell, ask God to forgive you of your sins. Ask him to set you free from that. You don't want to get people saved and they haven't turned their back on sin. You know, it, it's just defeating them. You know, and they live a life of frustration and everything else because they don't understand that you can't have them both. You got to take one or the other when you come into God's kingdom. And so it's like leaving one place and going into another place. You know, it's exactly what it is. So it's that, that one time confession of faith that opens the door for us to God's kingdom. And then we have a covenant with God. Amen. We have a, a, a way of living. We have a prescribed way of life. Uh, we, and this covenant is very powerful. Don't think that God does not keep that with you. He keeps his covenant with us. Amen. Now that doesn't mean we get everything we want when we want it, but that means that God has promised us certain things. And so from that one confession of faith, we have uh, uh, the power of, of God's spirit working in us to complete us, to help us, to strengthen us, to give to every every person what we need in this life and beyond. So when we have that spirit of faith in us, faith becomes power when it is mixed with God's word. Amen. So it, 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 it starts to, um, uh, be more dynamic as we mix the word with it. You can be born of the spirit and not know any scripture and, and really defeat yourself because you don't know how to put the two of them together. Amen. Like I said before, it's like mixing dynamite. The word has its power. The spirit has its power. But when you mix the two of them together, boom, it starts happening. It comes to pass. And you can see why God keeps them separate. Amen. With God, they were separated. It says in the beginning, the word was the word and, and God created the heavens and the earth. So God had all the components of putting the earth back together again, but they didn't come to life until he spoke. Amen. So that speaking from faith is the way that things get done in God's kingdom. And that's what he gives us to use. So we got to have confidence in that word that those scriptures that we speak, we have to have confidence in them just like God has confidence in his word. Now, it's we're not God, so we're not going to get the same results he got. You understand what I'm saying? It has to go through. We have a mediator. So everything that we speak, the Bible says Jesus is the high priest over our confession. 
So we have him ministering over our confession. Amen. And so, if, for instance, if you start thanking God, well, I'll take Miss Jan's example since she, she gave it to us. You start thanking God for a husband. Amen. And, and you know, you, you start thinking to yourself, oh man, I gotta wash that bathtub real good. You know, if I, I better go clean this house up. You understand what I'm saying? So God, oh God, don't drop husband in on me today. You know, I don't know if I'm ready for that. So I'm just using that as an example we can all look at. Amen. And, and, oh Lord, I got two hampers full of clothes. I don't wash clothes often enough. You know, somebody else come in there with their laundry. I'm sunk, you know, but, but you know what I'm saying. So, so God will temper the manifestation of it. So it won't, other than that, it would be magic. Everything we'd say and we'd scare ourselves. If everything you said happened all at once, you'd be totally scared. You go, Oh, wait a minute. Why? Because we know everything we say we don't want to see happen. Sometimes we're just testing the waters, feeling stuff out, trying to see how we think about it. You understand what I'm saying? And so, and especially when you're content. If you're content the way you are, you don't want things shaken up too much. So, so anyway, so God has to, and God knows all of that. He knows our thoughts from afar off. He knew this, you were going to think this thought, you, you thinking in 2023. He knew back in eternity you were going to think this thought. So he's already made provision for that. So we don't have to worry about something that we don't want to see happen, happen so fast or or whatever, you know. God knows how to work these things into our lives. And so he sometimes will get us accustomed to thinking on a different vein or give us dreams about things to kind of acclimate us to things that he's going to bring into our lives. I think that's very powerful. You know, if you have thoughts and visions, imagination, you'll, you'll read a scripture and then it'll all, to, all of a sudden start coming to life with you. And, and you'll got, you know, God starts speaking to us. Amen. He starts what we call building our faith and building the truth within us. And so, one thing we need to understand, though, is that once that confession of Christ is made and you are born again, you enter into a covenant with God and you enter into the life of his kingdom. Amen. So the power of the confession of faith is first released when we are saved. When you are born again, that's the first time you re- you experience the power of your confession and Every, like your, your, your salvation, like everything else, will be challenged by the natural realm. You know, the devil say, well, look at you, what you did. You couldn't be saved. You know, I remember going to altars several times confessing Christ. People say, do you want to be saved? And I knew I had prayed the prayer before, but I did it again. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, just because, because eventually you get reassured. You know, and that's the way it is with everything we get from God. You have to be convinced that that confession actually did the job. Amen. And, and God gives us time for it's, I think it's a, a, um, a way of settling in. It's like when you first make your confession of salvation, 
you get rejoicing, you get, and you know you've been changed. You know that that thing is real. Because when Christ comes into your heart, he brings the fruit of the Spirit with him to convince you that what you got was real. He'll bring peace with God. You don't, you're not afraid of God like you were. You, you're not nervous about going to hell. You kind of get that settled. But then there's some challenges. Like if you, if you got bad habits, you can't quite get rid of. You might wonder if that confession was enough. You know, if that's really what, what did what it's supposed to do. And so your faith has to be established. You got to get convinced that you are saved. You're not going to hell. You may not do everything right and we working on that. But I know one thing I am that God has shown me that I'm going to come to heaven and live with him at the end of this life. And I think that's where we all because because you can't really live for God here if you think the devil's going to wind up having you later on. It's going to be, it's got to be a package deal and it's got to be as God prescribes it in your life. One step at a time you go to this. Amen. So when we come into that salvation, one of the powers of being born again is the power of rest. You enter into God's rest and you understand that there's nothing else you can do to make God love you more. Anything else, salvation is not by works. You just cease from your labors. You stop laboring over the fact that that you want to stay away from hell. It becomes a settled deal. It starts to get settled on the inside of you. And one of the ways that, that we have evidence of that is the fruit of the Spirit starts to grow in us. We'll look around and see where there were situations where we used to get all upset and mad and all that other stuff. And it's just not there anymore. God will start to to do things to give us evidence of the power, us having power that we didn't have before. Amen. I remember um, when God delivered me from smoking cigarettes. And I remember having tried over and over and over again. I quit, tough it out, quit. And then I said, oh, I can't quit. I'll cut down. And you cut down and you cutting down, cutting down. You stop cutting down and start cutting up, and then you start cutting down again. You know, this just you, you. The ability just wasn't there. That nicotine demon is pretty powerful. You you wound up with something bigger than what you were. And I remember when God did it, I was praying for something else with my neighbor, and she had she said, "I got elder so and so on the phone. I'm gonna let him pray with you." And I said, what you need? He, she said, what you need to pray for? Just tell him. And I don't know what I told him. I was always trying to go back to work, you know, and I prayed about that. And I felt a funny sensation on the end of my tongue. And it wasn't a voice. It just said I knew the cigarettes were gone. Didn't ask for it. I'm sure I wanted it, but it was, it was something that was on God's schedule for me. And I had to realize that this covenant doesn't work from gimme, gimme, gimme. I want this. I want that. We have an inheritance in God. And so he gives us what's coming to us through inheritance. And when your inheritance comes, you're not in charge of that. He's in charge of that. Because you wouldn't know what you need anyway. And I realized, I said, it was like the next week or two weeks later, 
I was in a Christian bookstore and I read a flyer for a women's meeting. I think it was a Bible. No, it was a monthly meeting, Women's Aglow monthly meeting. And I went there. And then I got into their weekly Bible study. And I realized, I said, God, if I was still smoking, I'd be trying to run out of here and get a cigarette in the middle of this Bible study, you know. And you didn't want to be the smoker. Nowhere where's a bunch of saints, you know, because I said, no, I'm glad. I'm so thankful, Lord, because sometimes those things can turn you away from. You get embarrassed enough about your cigarettes or your bad habits and you quit showing up because you'll you'll start wrestling with the thing that's helping you. You know, and I was very I saw where God's wisdom to get me delivered when he did, because I learned later on, I started working in that ministry. And that's how I learned a lot of the stuff that God taught me for how to have meetings, how to have meetings in churches, how to have meetings everywhere in hotels and people's living rooms, wherever I got comfortable just sharing God wherever. And that was kind of like a pivotal point for me to learn ministry. I got direction. I get prophecies in those meetings where God would tell me what he wanted to do with my life. It was essential for me to fit in there and see you fit in uh, according to what God helps you to do. And you can't fit in everywhere if you got a bunch of old worldly habits hanging on you. Amen. As I had enough worldly crazy stuff in my head that I got delivered from in the meetings. I didn't need cigarettes on top of that. Amen. And so it's just real important for us to understand that God knows what you need when you need it. And he took care of them cigarettes. And I mean, I never had another taste for them and never anything wouldn't even. And sometimes I would get to to like a point where I would think of something. I said, well, something I used to do. And then I would, oh yeah, I used to have a cigarette after so and so and such and such. And it just, it was like that. It was just ashes. It was a ghost of what it used to be. You don't think about the, when you're delivered, when God delivers you, you delivered. Honey, you don't have to go through a whole lot of anything, but He knows what you need when you need it. Amen. So one of the things that we come into when we're saved is this rest. We have a rest in God. And I'll tell you how rest works. You, you learn that you're when, when the Bible says they who have entered into their rest have stopped their own labors. They have ceased from their own labors. In other words, the things that you used to do that didn't get you anywhere or so hard to do, you, you stop that. See, that's kind of like an automatic thing when you get saved. Because I noticed this when, when I would get worried about something and I would start thinking, you know, something came up and you know, I mean, when you're, when you're a sinner, everything worries you. You know, you get a lot of little worries in your head. And so I began to realize that when you cease from your own labors, Miss Pat, does somebody need to go and make sure she gets in? Okay, alrighty, okay, just Chuck go peek at the door real quick. I know Chuck wants to make sure, but I, and I do too, so yeah, we'll make sure, honey, that's okay. So, so when it says that you're ceased from your own labors, and you think about it, and, and what I've realized was that even though I would worry and worry and worry about stuff, 
at some point I would say, you know what? I don't have to get the answer for this. I can pray. See, when you stop, you stop. When the blood stops you, you're stopped. Amen. Now you can try and create some things, but it, eventually you will get to that point where it's, I cease from my own labors. I better pray about this and trust God that he's got an answer for me. So that's not, you, you, that's not something that you gotta confess it to make it happen. That's something that's automatic. See, the rest of God, the Sabbath of God, the salvation of God, that's all one package deal. Once you're born again, the Bible says when you enter into the rest of God, you have ceased from your own labors, which means that your own labors are not going to work. So you might as well lay it down. You ever work and work and work at something and try to get something to happen, get something to happen and think, you know, you could still work this out and you get frustrated and tired and nothing happens. You say, man, well, God, I guess I got to trust you. I mean, even if you wanted them hardcore, got to make it happen type people. If there's something about the rest of God that is so real, you can't get beyond that point. Your works don't work anymore. And you don't have to let it blow up in your face to cease from your own labors. You just come to a stopping point. And you finally admit, God, I cannot do this. I'm going to have to trust you. I don't care how long it takes. I don't care what else, but I'm going to let you, I'm going to let this go, God. I'm going to let you have this because this is killing me. I can't go on anymore. It's like you're working against yourself all of a sudden and you, you find that once you, once you train yourself to accept that way of living, that's the first thing you grab is the rest of God. You go grab you a word and say, God, I'm going to work this word now. This is too much for me right here. I wouldn't even know what to do to get this finished. I wouldn't know what to do to get rid of this. I wouldn't know what to do to get over this trouble right here. And and you learn how to accept that your life now is a Sabbath. It's a place of rest because you because you're in covenant with God, he takes over. He said, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not giving this wheel back to you. Now, you may think you're driving, but you ain't going nowhere. Amen? And he'll, you know, he'll put that brake on, and you can't find how to get it off of there. And you say, well, I guess maybe I better let you do this, God. Amen? And that's when we learn to trust him. When we learn to accept that when you accept Christ as your Savior, your Lord, your healer, whatever, you have ceased from your own works. Your own works have, there. you can't do them anymore. They don't work because you can't make them work. Not over what, and he even says, come on to me all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You already did that when you got saved. You came to him because you were heavy laden and you were burdened. Why are you trying to work stuff again? Why are you trying to do everything now? And so well, you've given that to him already. And he'll show you that you have given it to him. He'll let you work your little your little self into a little nerve somewhere. And then you finally <sighs> cry out to him. 
God, I guess, I guess, well, I don't know, God, I thought that was going to work, but I see it no, because he didn't give it to you to work. Amen. So he wants to drive this. He going to drive this train now, y'all. Let's let's get that straight. So because he's not scared of you. He's scared of your little plots and your little plans. And if you don't get it by that, if I don't get this by so and so. Yeah, right. He I'm sure got scared. Right. <laughs> But that's just humanity. That's your your flesh dying. We're supposed to to reckon it to be dead, but it will die, folks. You'll learn it has no power. Your flesh has no power. It really doesn't. Not and the more you work in God's will, the more evidence you have of that. Amen. I feel bad sometimes for people who feel like they can't stop doing certain things, you know, like myself. You know, I keep saying, oh, yeah, I'm back on the diet again. Well, who told you to go off? Amen. You sneaked off. You know, you're supposed to be on there all the time. You sneaked off again. Amen. And 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 so these are the things that we that challenge us that that we know uh, God has given us power over them. Amen. You, you, you should know that you have power to say no. You have self-control. That's probably one of the fruit of the Spirit. Amen? Well, you know, you gotta grow in grace. No, you can say no to anything. Just say no. Try it and see if it don't work. I think that's our problem. We don't e- even ever try it. We just think, oh, well, you know, that, that'll happen eventually. You know, eventually is a long time. Can be a long time. So the new birth, in the new birth, we have this rest in God. You, you, the power of the rest is, is what we have. You, you cease from your own labors. God is there to lead you, guide you, give you everything you need. He's there to work out the details, give you the faith to do it, encourage you along the way, everything. The new birth translates us from darkness to light. Old things are passed away. In other words, your your past isn't a stumbling block to you anymore. It it can't come up as something that's going to hinder your life. Amen. You know, a lot of people want to believe that their upbringing was so tragic that they can never get over it. Well, what did you get saved for? You know, why don't you talk to God about that and let him handle some of these things for you. Amen. But that person doesn't exist anymore. And the sooner you can reckon that person dead, the sooner you can get on with being successful with God. You know, you're just kind of hindering yourself and going back over a lot of this old stuff. Amen. Some people like, you know, it's like, uh, you know, saving your pacifiers from when you were a baby. <laughs> people pull them out to give themselves that little carnal comfort. You know, it's like, well, I remember when so-and-so happened. I didn't have this and I didn't. <laughs> I remember when my husband was alive. He said, oh, boy, here we go again. He's a coal miner's daughter, you know. And I thought everybody thought like that, you know, dragging up old stuff. And I learned, I said, oh, that ain't cool. I guess I better stop. So that stopped. I wasn't even saved and I stopped a lot of that, you know. So you you got to understand, you have a new life in Christ. It's all before you. You can't go back, take the back into the new. Sometimes we get into the new and we have difficulties. And we want to drag the old in there and say, that's why we have in this trouble. That ain't why nothing. That person has been dead so long, that person died when Jesus died on the tree. Amen. 
been raised up for the longest time. You just didn't know about it. You had to confess Christ to open the door to the fact that you were raised from the dead with him. Amen. And so that confession opened the door to your resurrection life and power. You don't have anything holding you back from your old life. Amen. So in the new birth, we're translated from dark to light. We are a whole new species of being. We have God in us, even though we're walking it in the flesh. And the flesh does have some power. Amen. But its power is diminishing. We're giving way to the new power that dwells in us. And that power is released by our confession. So old things are passed away. And the power of the new life and the new birth come as a result of that one confession. You only have to confess Christ one time and you're born again. So the Holy Spirit comes into you anew. It's the same thing with with your healing. You know, you confess I'm healed. You can do that one time and just stand in faith. But it's good to confess it repeatedly not to get healed again, but to remind yourself. Because it's easy for the enemy to come in and bombard you with symptoms in the natural and evidence in the natural that will support the fact that you're not healed. And so the confession then comes as a way to to help your peace to be maintained about it. Because you walk away from your peace. You can go for three days without confessing the word or something like that. And then you start to kick up a new symptom and you start wondering. I wonder where. I wonder why I have this, <laughs> you know. And But see, last month you confessed you were healed and you had total peace about it. You weren't even disturbed about it. But now, and so your confession comes so that you can remind yourself what you have. Amen. You remind yourself what you have. Sometimes you, you can confess if the enemy tempts you with stuff you used to do before you got saved. No, devil, I'm not going there. I'm saved. See, you confess it again. So then your confession really becomes a weapon of warfare to keep your faith undisturbed once you've made that confession. See, you don't have to confess your healing over and over again to be healed. But you might have to confess it over and over again to fight symptoms. Amen. So, so when you symptoms come up, say, no devil, I don't receive this. I'm healed. No pain. You, you got, go for me. He bore my pains and carried. See, it becomes a weapon of warfare. It's not to, to get you over into the realm of faith that you believe you receive it when you pray because you have it already. You have it, but it's being contested. See, the enemy's trying to convince you that you're not. Or put more symptoms on you and you think this is something new and I gotta deal with it differently. You know, I, I should be healed because I said I was healed when I felt the first pain from the first thing. Now something else has come up. What do I do now? You see? And so your, your confession, it's good to reestablish, reiterate. It's good to, um, uh, keep yourself in a state of spiritual health. By your confession, it does all of that. It repels the enemy. It gets you stronger in your resolve that you have what it is that you've confessed for. So 
confessing it again is not bad. It's it's not bad to go to God again and say, God, now, this has been a long time now. What's going on? If you have cares and worries, you take them to the Lord. Amen. Now, I know a lot of faith people would say you don't do that. You know, that's not always unbelief, folks. That's to keep you in faith. Sometimes it's unbelief that it, that's trying to creep on you and you go to God and you, you begin to petition him again. You begin to talk to him again. It's not like you don't believe you received it when you prayed, but you want to see it manifest. You want to see the whole thing come in. And so those are the things because we don't know everything about this realm. And the people who sell a lot of books and tapes don't know it all either. But you can find out what you need to know by talking to your heavenly father. He dwells in us by the Holy Spirit. He's not in there for nothing. He's not in there for you to ignore, thinking you can only pray one time for stuff. And if you pray again, it's unbelief. That's nothing's further from the truth. There's so many scriptures that tell you that, like the the woman with the unjust judge. She kept going back and going back and going back and going back. Why? Because he didn't give it to her the first time. Amen. Now with us, we believe when we receive it, when we pray, but you can go back and check and see if there's something amiss. God, is there something? How do you want to do this now, Lord? I've been confessing the word and, and I'm, I'm believing I received it, but if there's something else I need to add to it. And then you read in, in second Peter, it says, add to your faith. So there's things you need to add to it. So we don't know everything. And don't get in this, this legal thing about, I can't confess that, you know, I can't ask again, I can't do this again, I can't, you can ask about it, even though you believe you received it, you know? It's like you get a receipt from, from, uh, you know, somebody you buy from Amazon, they tell you your delivery will be there on Tuesday. Well, if it's Thursday and it's not there yet, you're going to just sit, keep sitting. I believe I received it when they sent me that. No, this is Amazon. You call them up, they lose more stuff than they deliver sometimes. You understand what I'm saying? Hey, where's my stuff? Amen. You do the same thing with God. He won't, he won't get mad at you because he won't just turn his back on you and say, well, that's unbelief. I'm not listening to you. Come on now. This is God, folks. We need to come out a lot of this step and formula mentality about him. He's God. He knows you. He knows what you need to hear from. Sometimes your stuff is held up because he wants to have a conversation with you. (laughs) That'll mess some heads up. You ever think God gets a little tired of these little robotic things we do? Well, Lord, I thank you I'm healed. I believe I receive it when I pray. And you go on about your business and say, hey, hey, wait a minute. Don't treat me like that. I'm a person. Tell me how much you love me. Uh, <laughs> see, we never think about God like that. But what do you think worship is? Huh? That's your, that's what to do. God, I tell you one thing, worship will do you more than your little confession will. Your little, I believe I receive when I pray, thank you Jesus for healing me and go on on your merry way. Stop getting the word, talk to him. Get to know him a little bit better. 
Well, God, I sure would like to know. Uh, you know, I've prayed about this for about three months now, and I sure would like to know what, what's going on here. He may not tell you that day or right then, but you get over in that Bible a little bit, and you come across a scripture, and your eyes light up, and your inside lights up, and you think, oh, this is what it is. You don't get that with steps and formulas. And you don't get that from, you know, trying to avoid saying certain things with God. Are you kidding me? He lives in you. He knows what you're thinking all the time. You might as well. Let's get it. He said, let us reason together. That door is always open where you can go in and talk to him. He's your loving heavenly father. He'll give you answers because he knows you got questions. And he put those, he says, it's, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. And it's the glory of man to seek it out. If you're looking for glory, that's one, what's one way to start receiving it? By searching out things that are puzzles to us, that are questions to us. Amen? You know, brother so-and-so is not going to always have your answer. He's going to have some answers for you, and that's just good. Don't get me wrong. Listen to good teachers. Listen to good prophets. Listen to people who know the word. But don't get stuck in in that mentality of, I can't ask God this because that's unbelief. Or I can't talk like this to God because that's doubt. Or I can't, you understand, don't get into the do's and don'ts in a relationship. Amen? You know, I know this. those of us who have been married before, you, we would ride the edge sometimes. You think to yourself, well, last time I asked that brother for that, he, he told me no. But you're going to try it again. Did that stop you? You ask anyway. You think maybe I can go in there sideways this time and ask him. He'll say, yeah. Or I'll disguise myself as somebody he likes better. Anybody? You understand, we always trying. Right? There's nothing wrong with trying. They don't send you to jail for trying. Amen? Or for what you're thinking or for what you want. Amen. All right. Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding. Thank you, Lord, for giving us our our faith confession. Giving us your word, Lord. Lord, you're a person. You have personhood. You're not human. You're divine. Jesus still has some humanity. He has a human body and human form. Bears the stripes that he bore for us. And so we know you know us. You understand us. We're made in your image, not the other way around. But we thank you, Lord, for making us like you. And we're learning, Lord. Help us to continue to learn. Help us to put ourselves in that position of innocence where we can ask you anything. You said to ask anything, and you hear us because we belong to you. You hear the righteous. So we thank you for that, Lord, and we bless you. We praise you for all answers to our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen, amen again. Praise God, amen. Why don't we do our declaration? I don't have Rona, and she don't have me. I can't get Rona, and she can't get me. And I don't have, and you fill in the blank. Amen. And it don't have me. And I thank you, Jesus, that by your stripes, we are healed. 
Amen, amen, and amen again. It's so decreed. Amen. Praise God. Amen.